A spontaneous and unrehearsed interview. This is Curiosityness, the podcast where we talk about stuff you're curious about. Hopefully. Uh, I'm Travis DeRose, the host. Thank you for listening. Uh, this episode, we're talking about coffee. And I got on Benji. He's the coffee con- c- the coffee concierge. Uh, his website's thecoffeeconcierge.net. And Benji shares how to make good coffee at home without being like a weird stuck up, you know, coffee snob. So it's actual practical advice. Benji's great, uh, shares stuff like step-by-step things of how to kind of get into coffee tasting if you're not really in the world yet. And, um, you know, how to not be intimidated by all this stuff and how to start with small steps. You don't have to make like big investments of money or time or anything like that. And you can find coffee that tastes pretty good pretty easily. And Benji's going to show you how. So let's get to the episode. Here is Benji of the coffeeconcierge.net. What's up, Benji? How you doing? Hey, Travis. Oh, see, I'm already screwing up. <laughs> it's a good start. I got nervous. Yeah. Hey, Travis, how's it going? <laughs> doing good, man. No worries. Uh, dude, stoked to talk to you. Like, yeah, so you're the coffee guy. You're the coffee concierge. That's you. Um, but what I like about what you do is, you know, your like tagline is and like what you kind of all, what you're all about. It's like making coffee at home, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the the main simple tagline, but I've kind of tried to evolve it into making coffee at home, making coffee at home without kind of being a snob about it. Okay. You know, the coffee world's a little bit snobby. And I also, you know, I know it's kind of a contradiction because the name coffee concierge sounds super snobby. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you know, it just sounded like a cool name at the time. I was like, I, I was getting questions about coffee, you know, from family and friends, and then obviously with the site. Um, and so, you know, I kind of felt like, oh, this is good little alliteration. So I'll go with it. Uh, and, you know, I'm serving up some answers, even though I'm not an expert. Um, but I don't want to ever tell anybody what they should be doing. Like that's, that's really the most important thing because coffee is, you know, it's subjective. Mm-hmm. Nice. No, I like I'm that. I'm not going to like what you're going to like and vice versa. So, right. No, I, I totally dig that. And it's like, it can be intimidating to walk into a coffee shop sometimes, you know, like if you don't know what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. There's... Yeah. I was, uh. I was just reminiscing today about like my first experiences in specialty coffee shops, you know, just to prepare for this interview, just kind of think about the timeline of this whole thing. And, uh, uh, I don't know have you ever been to Phil's coffee? Oh yeah. They just opened up one like half a mile away from me. It's great. Okay. Yeah. They're like expanding like crazy. And, um, I just remember the first time I ever went into one, I had no idea what the hell was going on. Like, they had the register on one side and then like a wall of baristas on the other side. Yeah. And then you've got this massive menu and I'm like, uh, first paradox of choice. I don't know what to choose. Mm-hmm. And then you just get bombarded with questions. <laughs> I'm like, I just want a cup of coffee. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's all I want. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. They're yeah. weird about how they like set up their, like you order your coffee and then you just go pay, but then you walk back to get, pick up your coffee again. 
It's kind of yeah. a weird setup. It's yeah. a weird little flow. And I actually, um, I was, I was reading back, uh, because I'm originally from Berkeley, California. And, um, I had actually, um, applied to be a barista there when they were first opening that shop. And I was looking back to when it was that they were opening, uh, cause I couldn't exactly remember how long it's been, but it's been about 10 years since they opened it. Uh, and apparently they recently closed it. And the reason for closing it was because the owner felt like, or at least the CEO, Jacob, I guess is the name. Um, he's the son of Phil. He was saying something about like the flow of, of the cafe just didn't work huh. kind of with, with how the other shops work. Weird. Uh, and I definitely got that vibe in there. Like, like, as I said, I was just so confused about the whole process. It's like the coffee order was on the right pay on the left and then you go to the back up some stairs to sit down and enjoy the coffee. It just, and so maybe, I don't know, maybe that was the reason, maybe it wasn't, but, um, yeah, to your point about it being kind of a strange experience, uh, I guess, I guess they were feeling the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a weird, weird setup, but they, like, I feel like they at least kind of, or at least now maybe they're trying to like help people order stuff. Cause you know, they have their, like, they have still have like 20 or 30 different blends or types of yeah. coffee, but they, they, you know, they kind of describe it in a few words underneath, which I think really helps. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, as I said at the beginning of the call here, like everybody has different tastes. So it's good that they're like trying to customize the experience. But I know they've probably had this feedback from more than just, I mean, I haven't directly expressed this to them, but I'm sure they've heard it plenty of times that it's kind of overwhelming, at least the first time you go in there. Oh yeah, totally. But I guess any new experience is, right? That's true. We should, we should embrace that, I guess. That's what I'm told, at least. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Oh yeah. So, okay. I think I heard you, I was watching some of your videos. Um, you mentioned something about like the third wave coffee movie or coffee movement, right? Right. What is that? Yeah. I I probably couldn't define it as best as I think Trish is her name is the one who coined it. And she, uh, co-owns a shop with her husband who is Nick Cho here in San Francisco, Wrecking Ball Coffee Roaster. So I believe she's the one that officially coined the term. That's just what I've heard. Okay. And basically, so the first wave is like your Folgers, um, you know, okay. convenience, low-grade low coffee, like think about Robusta beans. Um, really, I think when coffee first kind of um, started getting a little bit more mainstream here. Like I'm not a coffee historian, let's full disclosure, but I think when coffee was, you know, originally consumed, it was more about the convenience and the caffeine. Um, so think about your Folgers, as I said, uh, and then along came Starbucks and Pete's, uh, Pete's was first and, uh, they were more about, um, more about enjoying coffee for what it is and, and how it originates. So from whole bean form to, to freshly ground. Um, and then came your lattes, uh, your espresso based drinks. Um, so those are kind of big parts of the second wave, if you will. And then the third wave was more about, um, really taking it a step further and, you know, making one cup at a time, 
I know Blue Bottle was really pushing this idea forward. Um, you know, grinding your beans fresh right before instead of serving coffee right out of the AirPods. More about drinking coffee black and from single origins versus blends. Um, so that's kind of where it's at. <laughs> it's gotten out of control because <laughs> everybody, everybody, and maybe I'm guilty of this too, thinks that they're an expert and is judging people for the way that you know, they like to drink their coffee. So, I mean, if you're into that Starbucks Frappuccino, then I'm not going to, I mean, I might shame you for it if I was a coffee snob right. <laughs> and part of the third wave movement. Um, so I don't know, maybe there's going to be a fourth wave that's like, let's tone it down a little bit. And <laughs> so reel just, back two and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But, uh, that, that's, that's my understanding of it. Um, I actually, I think once upon a, a time applied to work at Wrecking Ball too. Um, Nick is uh, quite a character. If you should follow him on Twitter, um, but he's the guy that's responsible for bringing the Kalita Wave from Korea basically into the U.S. Have, have you heard of the Kalita Wave? No. What is that? So it's it's like a pour over dripper. Um, I don't know if well you know the Chemex right. The, just uh, the, like, so, so the chemical, yeah, 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 exactly. The, it's like in the MoMA. And so then, um, the, the Kalita is like a smaller version of that. It's most, I mean, they've got stainless steel versions, I think ceramic plastic, but the most common one you see is like a, a stainless steel one. And it's got a flat base mm-hmm. with three little holes on the bottom. Um, and that's, I mean, there's so many different like pour over drippers and that's just one of the ones that got really popular here in the States, uh, in recent years. And he was the one responsible for that. So, I mean, they're kind of like a power, uh, power couple in, in the world of coffee. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And I believe they're actually opening a shop, uh, last I heard in Berkeley, um, be their second location. Oh, I okay. still haven't, I still haven't tried wrecking ball. Um, mm-hmm which is ironic considering I live in the city where it's offered. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Right. You'll get there. No worries. Yeah. I'll get there right after this call I'll yeah. head over there. Yeah. We, we trust you. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. But that's, that's kind of like why I, cause I've been following you for a bit. Um, why I was kind of, uh, like drawn to your stuff is you're not like, you're like just a normal person who likes coffee and like likes to, you know, kind of likes the ritual of coffee and enjoys it, but you're not like it's not your whole life, which I feel like I'm I'm on the same level as you right there. Cool. Well, it's good to hear that that you relate. Like sometimes I don't know if I'm connecting with anybody necessarily yeah. like with the stuff I'm putting out there. I mean, it's just kind of like you wait and see, but I'm glad that that you agree that yeah. kind of philosophy right i mean like i would assume most people are on that level like we like the first time i had really good coffee i can't remember exactly what it was but it was like damn this thing doesn't need cream or sugar in it you know it's like it's on its own so it's like that kind of opens your eyes where you're like damn maybe there's other stuff out here yeah but it's like at the same time i'm not going to spend you know hours a day doing this stuff and researching it too, you know? So I think right. that's where you kind of fill the gap in there and, and help me and help people out with that, that arena, I guess. Yeah. It's all about that balance, right? Like you don't want to spend too much time, like getting that good result. 
but I mean, some people do and mm-hmm. like, you know, they want to get into the nitty gritty details and, you know, but I think the majority of people kind of want to balance out the, the convenience with the quality, yeah. like it, best of both worlds. Right. Totally. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I know what you mean though about that kind of mind blown moment when you first have a, a cup of specialty coffee yeah. and I still remember my first time. I think it was um, my girlfriend and wife. Well, girlfriend at the time, wife now. She brought me into Ritual Coffee Roasters, and I like ordered one of the pour overs there. I think it was like a single origin African coffee, and I was just like, "Wow, this is incredible!" Like, <laughs> yeah. because like. I don't know. I, I feel like the Pete's and Starbucks coffees of the world, like they all kind of taste the same. I mean, they're more darkly roasted, right? Mm-hmm. And dark, darker roasted coffee, I think it's, it's harder to pick up nuances in it. Yeah. And so it's just like, it tastes like coffee. Like that's your concept of what coffee that's tastes what it's like. Ha- right. Yeah. yeah. But then you have something that's a little lighter and then you're like, whoa, like I'm picking up all these other things that I guess were masked before. Like, yeah. And I know a lot of people like they get turned off by that uh, initially because they're like, because it's so far from what their concept of coffee is that it's almost like. I don't want to be drinking tea. <laughs> like, what's, my, what's the coffee flavor? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. This is too acidic. What is this about? So. Yeah. It's definitely an acquired taste, just like I think dark roast coffee is. Like mm-hmm. nobody likes coffee the first time they try it. That's like, true. As far yeah. as I know. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So for like somebody listening who's like, they're hearing this and they're like, man, maybe I really haven't had like a good, you know, cup of black coffee or something to really change it. What like what can you recommend to them, or where can they go to find something like that? Just find the most hipster looking coffee shop like that you can. No, right. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean I mean I, I always tell people like well you don't want to be going to Starbucks and Peas because I think you're gonna just get more well, if you've never had coffee before, sure you can try that out. But I mean I would I would look out for a place that has like a situation where they are brewing coffee one cup at a time. Um because I, I do think that's a strong indication that they're probably working more with lighter roasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I would say about it is to really just be patient. I mean, if you don't love it the first time, um, don't, don't give up on it. Like I, I think it takes a, a few tries before you're going to hone in on something that you like, because not, um, all coffee tastes the same. That's for sure. And, and you start to pick that up the more, uh, you try, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to like the origins of the coffee, like, and that's kind of further down the line. I think, you know, for somebody that's just getting into coffee, try something that is dark, try something that is medium and try something that's light, like go across the spectrum of different roast levels. And I think you'll have a good sense for, what what fits your taste buds if anything Mm -hmm. cool right so let's dig into like the you know making coffee at home stuff and like the different you know equipment or gear or like techniques to uh make coffee i guess so can you just give me like like i mean the auto drip cold brew french press pour over stuff can you just kind of give me like an overview maybe like pros and cons of all those kind of if that's not like a huge question 
Yeah, well, it's funny because a lot of people, when they're first starting their quest to making coffee at home, they focus on the equipment. And they're thinking, oh, well, if I have a better coffee maker, then that's going to you know, set me off on the right track to uh-huh. better coffee. Um, so usually what I'll say is like before focusing on the equipment, um, start focusing on the coffee itself. Okay. Uh, so, you know, a, a big thing is like a lot of people, I think their, their early exposure is to curings and pods because mm-hmm. they're convenient. They don't take a lot of guesswork. And so that's like a nice intro level into making coffee at home, even though it's not, I mean, you're not really doing much. Right. Um, but I would say like, if you really want to see, um, good initial results, uh, I would just buy some, um, some coffee from a local cafe. Um, assuming you don't have a grinder, which you probably won't, you know, just have them grind it for you for like something like a drip machine. That's probably the best place to start. Um, because it's usually going to be like a nice medium versatile grind that could be used for various brew methods. And most people, you know, they start with drip coffee makers, like auto drip coffee makers. So in terms of equipment, like, um, you know, that's, that's probably a nice starting point because like if you're, if you're not going to be into doing it by hand, uh, then you probably never will be. Um, (laughs) I mean, you might come around and start enjoying the ritual of it, but I I think, um, probably the majority of people just want to start making a cup as quickly as possible early on. So I think the right balance between the quality and the convenience in this case, like to my point before is like get an auto drip coffee maker, uh, and have a cafe, uh, grind up some beans for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, when shopping for coffee, uh, you should be, you know, I, I tend to tell people not to buy it from the grocery store. And this is like a pretty, it's pretty cliche advice amongst people in the coffee space, but you know, coffee that is say, you know, roasted several months ago isn't going to taste as good as coffee that was roasted two weeks ago. Right. So a strong like tell, like when you're buying coffee at the grocery store is if it has a roasted on date. Um, if it, if it does have a roasted on date, then that probably indicates to you that it was, um, roasted, you know, somewhat recently. Um, obviously you would check the date to make sure that was true. Right. Um, if it has a best buy date, then that's a strong indication that it's that it's not going to be as fresh. Okay. Um, so that's that's a tip I would give is like buy a coffee that is freshly roasted and, and there's a strong indication that it was. Um, and then the other side of the coin is is water. Like um, if you are using tap water and you and you live in a place that. Um, you know, has hard water or, or there's a lot of minerals in it. Like you, you just, you probably want to get something that's a little bit filtered down. Um, okay. so, I mean, definitely use a water filter, I would say, mm-hmm. um, but the water that you brew with, because your coffee is only going to taste as good as the water you use as well as the coffee you use. So those are, those are where I recommend people start. 
Um, okay. Then, no, so, but, yeah, but they can a just long answer. <laughs> no, 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 that's good. So, I mean, that's, that's good to hear. We could, people can just start with like the classic Mr. Coffee coffee maker that everybody has. Totally. Okay. Totally. Yeah. Like that's a $20 machine last I checked or $25. Yeah. Um, and you know, you can get fancier than that, but like that will just make it nice and easy for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and really focus on, on the coffee you're buying and the water you're using for starters. Um, and then work your way up from there. Um, really the next place I would like focus on in terms of equipment still wouldn't be the coffee maker. It would be a grinder. Okay. Um, this is another big misconception. People think that the coffee maker is what matters most. It's the grinder that matters more than anything aside from the coffee and the water. Okay. Interesting. So a lot of people are like, okay, coffee grinder. That's cool. It's like 10, $15 and that's fine. You, you know, you can buy one of those like simple little spice grinders, you know, the classic one crups that you like just put some beans in and it has the blade that whirs around. Yeah. Um, that works. Um, and like you can definitely start there, like, or you start freshly grinding your coffee right before you brew it. Um, that should probably give you some nice results. And then you go further down the line and start getting into burr grinders and such. But I don't want to overwhelm people that are listening to this. It's, it's really like, uh, grinding your own coffee is, is the next step. Um, okay. After the coffee and the water and the cheap machine. But so there's really, there's kind of like the blade grinder, the class, like, you know, whatever one that people normally see and then the burr grinder, right? Yeah. And generally the burr grinder is what you really want to go for. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's several reasons for that. The blade grinder, um, one of the big downsides of it is that you're, you're kind of, it's hard to, to get the grind consistent. So, I mean, all the, the beans that are being chopped up in there, you're going to have a bunch of different particle sizes. Um, and the bigger ones are going to basically extract less. So basically make kind of a weaker coffee, whereas like the, the finer particles are going to extract more. So it's, it, it would be more on the stronger spectrum. So when you have all that mixed together, um, you can have some inconsistent results so the burr grinder, I mean, the main benefit of it is that you're going to get more consistency out of the particles that it grinds up because it's basically crushing the beans between, um, you know, this, this mechanism, if you will, the two burrs. Right. And, um, you know, there's also the matter of like different brew methods require different grind sizes or work best with different grind sizes. So your French press would have a coarser grind than, than espresso. Um, and with the blade grinder, you can't really, uh, hone in on the right grind size for the brewery you're using. Right. So that's, that's kind of another big argument for, um, why you would want a burr grinder. Okay. Um, but if you're not making an espresso, like, I mean, bird grinders definitely still have um, plenty of use for other um, brew methods. But I didn't even consider one until I started trying to make espresso at home yeah. because you, you definitely you need a bird grinder to make espresso, period. Okay. Like, you, it's, you can't really do it with a blade grinder. I see. 
you could try, but you won't get very good results. It's gonna be tough. <laughs> yeah. And then, so when we're looking at like a Berg rider, I have one of just like a little one yes, hand crank, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what are you drinking? Espresso? Yeah, you know, we're talking about it. Nice. I really we have done. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I should have been more prepared like you. Nice. Uh, no, no. Um, yeah, I got like one of the hand crank ones. Uh, and that, I mean, that thing was like, I don't know, 20 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so they're not bad, but the hand the hand grinding's kind of annoying. It's kind of kind of nice at first, but then I got kind of you know over, <laughs> it. over it. Yeah. So like, what are we? What are you kind of looking at price range for a decent like? Do they have automatic ones? Yeah, yeah electric absolutely. ones or whatever. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What, are, what yeah. are those price range for those things? Yeah. So um, like an entry level bird grinder that is electric. Um, so the first one I ever bought was called the Capresso Infinity, and that's about just under a hundred dollars. Okay. Um, so like most entry level electric, I think probably you're looking at seventy five to a hundred dollars on the low end. Okay. Um, I think I may have seen some cheaper ones out there, um, but I can't really speak to the quality of them. Once you really want to. Like once you get into the two hundred dollar range, that's when you're starting to work with stuff that will kind of cover most brew methods um, and do a good job. So I own uh, the Breville Smart Grinder Pro. I've been using it for years, and um, it can pretty much do every brew method um, from, I mean, drip to espresso, and does not as great a job with the coarser stuff. It's just not as consistent, but, um, really, I mean, if, if you're trying to get the whole spectrum of brew methods, like you can, you can end up spending way more money than that, like 400, $500. Um, then you're starting to get into the best like home burr grinders. But I would say in the hundred to $200 range, um, you should be able to find something that would that would work well for most people. Uh, usually, the one I recommend is the Barazza Encore, which I think is one hundred and thirty dollars. Okay. Um, yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah, Barazza is kind of like the king of <clears throat> king of grinding. <laughs> okay. At least home grinders. Yeah, they're they're a solid brand. Nice. Good to know. Uh, so, are you talking about the Hario hand crank? Yeah. Mini exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's what I have. Yeah, that was the second one I bought um, because the Capresso Infinity wasn't doing the job for espresso. So I bought the hand crank one, the one you're talking about. And yeah, it takes forever. Like, it yeah. takes like 15 minutes just to grind. Yeah, grind you're going for one super fine. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Great for travel, though. Yeah, true. And I mean, it's you're probably it's a good, good way to start, right? And try it out. Totally. Yeah, and it really gets you familiar with the ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my wife got especially over it um because it's like when when we wake up in the morning and she wanted some coffee i'm like all right hold on a sec it just <laughs> takes 15 minutes to grind the coffee and by then she's like i'm over it i don't want even, i don't even want I'm coffee at this yeah point. i'm just like i wonder if this i'm just thinking about this but like i wonder if you could hook up like your drill to it and just like spin that thing have people done yeah, that people have done that yeah, yeah. okay yeah. yeah people do all kinds of crazy stuff with them modifications and i haven't i haven't played around with it but right that sounds yeah you you can be creative so now what about the um 
like let's say you you go to the grocery store, find a good bag of beans that you know was brewed or was roasted like less than a week ago or something. Um, can you are using those like in store grinders ever a good idea? Um, if you don't have a grinder, yeah, that's fine. Barely I mean, thin. a lot of people parrot this this idea that within fifteen minutes the coffee's no longer um, close to as fresh as it would have been had you started brewing it like two minutes after grinding it. Okay. I mean, it's getting, getting staler and staler as the longer you let that pre-ground coffee sit. But honestly, like it's more anecdotal. I think than anything I try not to like, um, say that too often because I haven't actually done thorough tests where I've tested coffee that was ground, say, um, a day ago versus 15 minutes ago to, to, you know, discern between any major differences. But I mean, so yeah, the sooner you, the sooner you brew after grinding, the better they say. Um, but yeah, if you don't own a grinder, it's totally fine to use one of those, um, grinders at the store. Uh, just something to keep in mind is that they probably have some, uh, they're probably not clean very often. So they probably have some older ground coffee buildup in them and oils and, totally. and that's going to be getting into your, uh, your coffee too. So, but again, this is just mostly anecdotal stuff. It's, it's not going to, um, most people aren't going to really pick that up. Yeah. 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 It's tough to say like, like the, where like the 15 minutes comes from, you know? It's like, yeah. who comes up with yeah, these it's, rules? It's are a they, good number. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I, I, I understand yeah. that, but yeah. It's totally arbitrary. Right. So no, There's, I like that. I feel, this is good though. I like where we're kind of like pointing people where like, you know, it's best to grind it right before you brew it, but you know. We're not going to shame you yeah. if you do it the other way. <laughs> yeah, right. Like just do do whatever you want. Like if, yeah. if it doesn't taste any different to you, then whatever, right? Yeah. If you're dissatisfied, we'll, we'll give you the next step to, to maybe make it even better. Yeah. Um, but if you're happy with what you're doing right now, then keep doing it. Mm-hmm. That's what I always say. Yeah. No, that's good. So, I mean, be, let's talk about, like, the different types of beans and stuff. Because, like, you talked about, uh, I think you mentioned Robusta before and, like, Arabica, if I'm even saying those right. Like, what, what, are, what does that even mean? Yeah, probably a better question for an actual coffee professional, but um, it's just two different types of species. And I mean, like general classes of like like really general species of coffee. Those are the two most widely known ones. Uh, You have more specific species within those two groups, um, but you commonly hear Robusta and Arabica Robusta tends to typically be grown at lower um, elevations. Um, the crops don't, they're not as vulnerable as, say, Arabica. But Arabica is like the better quality. Well, it's not always the better quality beans. There are good Robusta beans out there. But um, Robusta beans tend to, I think, taste a little bit more rubbery. Uh, they have this very distinct flavor. Folgers, I think, was known for for using you know robusta in their instant coffees. Um, but now, like you know, arabica is is really the preferred bean in ninety nine out of a hundred um, blends and um, 
that's that's mostly what's being served up um, across the different cafes that you probably go to. Mm-hmm. Um, Robusta is also known for being more caffeinated versus Arabica. Okay. So if you've heard of like Death Wish Coffee and such, like uh, all, all these uh, all these clever marketing coffee marketers out there are making these blends that have robusta beans in them, but they also have Arabica. So it's like, they're not tasting horrible, but they're also giving you an uptick in caffeine because they're, the blends are using robusta. So, I mean, there's a more specific species within those two uh, more general species, and but you know you'd probably want to ask somebody that knows way more about this. Somebody like James Hoffman, uh, book World Atlas of Coffee is is a great one. I always recommend that goes into more detail about that stuff. Okay, book World. Yeah. Okay, book World Atlas of Coffee. So the World Atlas of Coffee is oh, what it's Atlas. called. Okay. Yeah. And cool. James Hoffman, the guy that wrote that book, has a, an amazing YouTube channel. Um, that he's been putting more uh, time into over the years, uh, recent years, I should say. Um, so highly recommend checking that out. Okay. That's great. Oh, yeah. No, that's good. Good to know. And then, so like when, you know, cause the way I pick coffee is like, I just pray that there's a, some sort of a, a description under it. You know, of like uh-huh. describing what it is, so I have like a, a hope of of what I'm going for. But like, how do they tasting notes? Yeah, yeah. Like how do how are tasting notes developed? Like different, you know, they're like it's it's oaky or it's chocolatey or something. How where does that come from? Oh, I think usually the roasters and and staff um, that work um, you know alongside the roasters or at these cafes, what they do is. You know, they have cuppings, uh, which is basically a time to just sit around and and taste uh, the different coffees that they've been roasting up. Uh, so what they'll do is, you know, basically set a table um, with little bowls with the different types of beans. Uh, they'll grind up the coffee. They'll add the hot water, and they'll take a spoon and, and you know, stir it around or or not stir it around. They'll start slurping on the coffee and then they'll be writing notes on it um, to describe, you know, kind of what the taste is. Uh And everybody's going to pick up different stuff, but probably the way they come up with what is on the bag is what the most consensus tasting note is amongst that panel of people that try the coffee um okay yeah that's what i imagine happens um (laughs) again not a coffee professional so i haven't been part of those right um i've been invited once uh i never went out to it but that's that's how i think it's happening um Otherwise, there's probably some BSing going on. It's just like, oh, that slightly tastes like a honeydew. So right. let me write that. Let's put that in the description. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, there's definitely honeydew in there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but I try like, not to look at those notes just so I'm not like um, being biased or, or like, like that bias isn't kind of coming to my head um, oh, okay. when I'm trying the coffee myself. Right. So. I'll try and ignore those notes and just come up with my own. Um, but it's hard to not look at them. Yeah. 
purpose and want to taste the red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's where I think I've totally fallen that trap. Um, but like, where would that even? So, are they tr- when they make like when they? I don't know when they you know roasted coffee bean are they like trying to get a certain flavor or like tasting note or something in there or how, like how do those appear in there yeah that's a great question i don't think so i mean i think there's probably a lot of trial and error that goes on here so it's oh. like you you know i think sourcing coffee goes you know you'll have like um a coffee sourcer within these companies that goes out to these different regions of the world. They grow coffee. They'll go to various farms and then they'll basically be tasting the coffee directly from the farmers, um, who have, you know, actually grown the coffee and then they decide what they're going to buy from there. Um, they bring it back to the States. So they bring back the green coffee beans um, and then they start roasting them in different ways. And, and the ways that they are roasting the beans basically uh, has an impact on how it ultimately tastes too. So I think the trial and error for a roaster or like a coffee company is, is basically, well, yeah, we want to pick, um, you know, good, good green beans from these various regions we go to, but we also want to roast it in a way to really accentuate the most flavor. Okay. So I think it kind of comes after the fact, like they're not like, Oh, if I roast it this way, it's going to taste that way. Um, there's probably some of that, you know, uh, intuition in a roaster's mind, I would imagine. But, um, I think a lot of it is, is probably pretty, pretty arbitrary and it just comes after the fact okay uh, yeah if that makes sense no it's, I mean, not like that's... it's not like they're adding like vanilla flavor or, okay. or yeah they're, they're kind of just trying to get the most flavor out of those beans as possible with the way they roast it i think that's what it comes down to okay no that's good to know because i yeah i would always envision that they were like Cause I, I think at least with like brewing beer or something, they'll like add in flavors or like add, you know, apricots into it or something like that. But so I just assume they did the same thing with coffee, but uh, apparently it's not the case. I think big commercial coffee companies will add flavors, um, after the coffee has been roasted. I think that's how it works. But yeah, the, the specialty coffee places, especially coffee roasters, they're not, adding anything into the process it's just like it's pretty pure it's like the bean um and then you know you roast it you know there's things like again like i said the origin the way the coffee was processed which is a whole other topic those things impact the flavor as well but mm-hmm. it's not like there's any additives here um, there are exceptions to that rule though i should say um i reviewed a coffee that was infused with red wine. Um, and I can't remember exactly what the process was. I think they soaked the beans in red wine before they roasted it in like, uh, <laughs> like an Oak barrel. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there, there are exceptions to that, but, uh, for the most part, um, yeah, not, not a lot of additives. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. No, good to know, man. I was I was always curious about that, so I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's say, you know, someone listening to this, they 
you know, they got some good beans. They got a they got a little grinder. They're grinding it themselves. Just and you know, they're getting some pretty good coffee. Um, what's the next step to take things further? Yeah. So that's a good question, and it's kind of you, you can go pretty far, um, but it, it's really about like I, I think you got you want to try a lot of different stuff mm-hmm. before you start thinking like, oh, I need new equipment. I need better equipment. Um, because I think, you know, once you're starting to brew the coffee, you, you want to obviously, you want it to taste good in the majority of cases. But if it's just <laughs> consistently, if, if it's consistently tasting bad, um, you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah. And, and I would circle back to the ingredients that you're using. So again, the coffee and the water. Okay. Um, but assuming you have that dialed in and starting to taste good. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, real like, quick, just to, to yeah. about the water. So do you really just want to filter your water? Is that it? I mean, not necessarily. I mean, I think in most cases, yes, because uh-huh. filtered water is going to be better than tap water, which isn't to say there's there's bad tap water in some of the places that we live. I mean, I know San Francisco has great tap water. Uh-huh. Um, you do want there is like a, an ideal mineral balance out there. Uh, so this is where you can really start going down the rabbit hole even further. But, um, the specialty coffee association has come up with like a perfect formula of water for brewing coffee. Um, and you could probably find it somewhere online. Um, and there have been companies, uh, one, as far as I know that, um, actually, um, they produce the like these little packets that are basically that water formula that you add into distilled water, and then you allegedly have the perfect water for brewing coffee. Okay. Um, so, but I think you know a lot of people aren't going to want to go through that, right? Yeah. You know, have to go and buy like a distilled water jug, or um, so. I mean filtration is definitely like basic filtration. I think it's a good place for everybody to start, um, Mm -hmm. in terms of just having a a baseline, because I think, um, you know, you don't want to filter out everything, but still like, I think in most cases having more filtered out than less is, is going to be what you want to do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess to like, if you're unsure if it's the water that's messing up your coffee, you could always like buy a packet of that mineral stuff and try it out once. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, that's one way to kind of take that variable out of the equation Yeah, or just make it consistent. Um, but I, I would focus, you know, just keep it simple and, you know, even a Brita, I just use like a Brita water filter. Okay. Um, and <laughs> I think a lot of people are comfortable with that. So to work, yeah. good, good starting point. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, assuming like you got all of that stuff working, um, you know, then I would probably say the next step would just be trying out some different brew methods. Um, so if you're only using the mystery coffee, um, maybe like the coffee tastes a little weak or thin to you and you, you want to want something that has a little bit more grilled grit, not grilled, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, some mouthfeel and, you know, then you might want to try out a French press. Uh, and 
and you know, really just experiment with new brew methods. I think that it's kind of a, a good next step. And, and maybe like at that point, you're going to find, oh, well, um, I prefer this brew method over that brew method. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that would probably be like the next step, you know, start playing more with the equipment once you've got something working for you in terms of the coffee and the water and what you're doing with just a basic drip machine. Okay. Yeah. So like, so I don't know, I guess in general, maybe what's sort of the difference between like going through kind of a paper filter or something like you would with just a drip coffee or like a, you know, an auto drip or something versus like a French press where there's, there's no real paper filter. Don't you get like a difference in oils and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So paper is going to filter out the most. Okay. Uh, so you'll have something that is quote unquote cleaner or, um, you know, doesn't have as much oil or, or sediment, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. Uh, sludge sprudge <laughs> uh, you heard of spreads they're like a whole online coffee magazine a big one out there um and then french press is, is yeah like the opposite end of things it's like you're gonna get more through um your filter because it's 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 letting more through it's letting more oil um and and other stuff through that's why you'll you'll typically find um that sediment at the bottom of your cup because that's all the unfiltered coffee that was able to make it, make it through the, the French press filter. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the reason that, that people tend to like Chemex, um, is because Chemex is really thick paper filters. It gives you a pretty clean cup of, uh, coffee mm-hmm. without any of that extra oil. But a lot of people don't like that. Yeah. So they go, go for French press. So, right. Yeah. That's, and then there's other kinds of filtration. There's like, uh, you know, some people use cheesecloth for cold brew. I know. Um, and that's somewhere in between paper and, and permanent. Um, but yeah, basically like the permanent metal filters, like those are going to be let more through and then paper will let less through. Okay. And it definitely, definitely has a big impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, no, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, no, you can definitely taste. The first time I had French press coffee, it was like, you know, I, I pooped more than I normally do. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those yeah. oils come through. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, that, that's kind of, it goes hand in hand with different brew methods. I mean, filters are kind of part of that. Different brew methods have different filters. So that's kind of like part of the equation in terms of seeing what you like after you got something that's a good foundation mm-hmm. in terms of food and water. Right. Yeah. And then so like when you're trying to like try out these different brewing methods, I guess, is it best to find coffee shops that have these different ones and have them do it for you rather than, cause you can't buy all that equipment. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Yeah. I, I would highly recommend that. I mean, it's going to be harder to find a coffee shop that's making AeroPress coffee, mm-hmm. um, and say something like a Hario V60, which is like a pretty standard, um, pour over drip coffee maker that you'll see in a lot of places. But 
yeah, I mean, if you can find a place that is using those different methods, then definitely go that route before buying the equipment, especially if you have a small kitchen um, with limited space and, and or a significant other that doesn't want you, you know, filling up all the cabinets with that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Um, and then, so what about cold brew? Is that, how does that method work? Yeah. So, um, basically to its name, you're, you're not using hot water. You're using cold water, room temperature water that basically there's, there's several different ways to make it. The most common way is to just take your ground coffee, uh, mix it with your room temperature, cold water. Um, and just give it a stir. So you could do this in like a, a pot at home. You don't need a coffee maker. Uh, and then you basically leave that, uh, you just let it sit out. And a lot of people just put it in the fridge. Some people let it just sit out like in room temperature. Um, and if you let it steep for about six to 24 hours, there's a big range there. Uh, that's basically how you come up with cold brew coffee. Uh, it's usually going to be a concentrate. So whereas you would maybe do like a, something like a 15 to one, uh, water to coffee ratio with like a drip coffee maker or a French press with cold brew, like it's more typical to do something that's around eight to one. Uh, so it's, it's going to be more concentrated. So you're going to have something that is a lot stronger just by itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of people dilute it afterwards with water. Right. Some people like it just straight as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's the basic process. Uh, you will want to probably run that final concoction <laughs> through a, an additional filter or, or through a filter period because <laughs> It's not filtered, right? So you're gonna want to you're gonna want to pour it through either a paper filter. Um, some people actually just do it all on a French press. So you could, oh. if you have a French press, you can just use the the plunger to right to filter the stuff. To do okay, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, so it's that's a good one, like that really anybody can do, mm-hmm. um, as long as they have ground coffee and water. Yeah, and like pot. Right. No, I, that's what I do. That's like my main coffee situation is I have one of those toddy coffee makers right. and just cold brew. I do like a, a bucket of uh, regular coffee that I'll kind of, I mostly shop at Trader Joe's and try their different stuff and then um, do uh, like a decaf. And then so I'll uh-huh. have, you know, both those sitting in the fridge. They, I like people say they're good for like two weeks or whatever. I don't know. I usually go through them in like a week well week to two weeks so it's always it seems fine to me sitting in the fridge for that long and then it's just the concentrate and then from both of those i can make you know i can do like a cold brew iced coffee type of thing or you know mix it with like with hot water and then have a hot coffee so it's great i like with those two things i have i could have hot or ice regular coffee or decaf like any time of the day really quick so it's perfect for me yeah, a lot of people don't know that you can, you know, make hot coffee with the cold brew concentrate. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely like versatile. It's yeah. a good thing to have sitting around. Um, it's super convenient, and you can just batch it. Yeah, 
that's what I love about it too. It's not, I don't have to set up the coffee maker every morning or anything like that. It's just a quick do it once every week or so. And and it's always good to go. That's why you're able to pump out all these podcasts, you know, like (laughs) get so much extra time. Exactly. Just pour a quick caffeine kick and get to it, you know? Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what's your, do you have like a, a daily ritual or go to like, system that you use or what's what's your coffee you know world look like yeah um probably not as crazy as a lot of people would think um you know if i have beans lying around then i'll usually grind those up and you know just kind of decide in that moment what i'm going to use depending on how much effort i want to put into it so like if it's a weekend morning i'll I'll be more likely to do like a Chemex. If it's a weekday, then I'm going to do something that's quicker. So I'll, I'll just throw it into the auto drip coffee maker or um, I've got one called American Press. It's pretty quick, uh, makes a couple cups and I'll, I'll just do that one. Um, in the past, I, you know, I like to constantly mix it up, but I own, um, you know, far fewer coffee makers than I used to. Uh, just speak to my point before about <laughs> limited space and, and not trying to take up too much cabinet room. Um, and then there's also, you know, that, that whole paradox of choice. If you have too many, like you're, you're not going to even make a decision about, you know, what to use. You're just going to throw your hands up and maybe brew up some instant coffee. Uh, but the last few weeks I've been making instant coffee. Actually, I've been trying out um this new instant coffee coffee called uh it's called waka or waka w-a-k-a uh and it's actually quite good oh okay Uh, so instant coffee is going through a little second wave right now uh, where it's starting to get a little bit better quality um so you know sometimes i really just get lazy and um just do something that's quick and easy Mm -hmm. um but the ritual stuff is more in, in, on the weekends. Yeah. No, cool. I mean, that's, I think that's kind of like the, I don't know, the key takeaway here is it's like, how much time do you want to devote to it? And like what, it, it's just like a balance of stuff, I guess. You can get good quality for fairly quick, but more time might be higher, but whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that's what it comes down to really. Um, you know, if you have a lot of time on your hands, then for sure, like, you know, um, you know, you, you, you'll, you'll be down to invest more time in, in making the coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of people drink coffee because they want to pick me up. Yeah. Um, not just, you know, to enjoy it. I want both personally. So yeah. that's kind of how I've arrived at this point of, of, you know, that balance (laughs) Mm -hmm. dude yeah i know it's like it's that it's kind of sexy and fun and like relaxing and to do the whole thing and you know to boil some water and and grind it up yourself and everything like uh my girlfriend sydney she doesn't drink coffee it gives her a headache so she can't really drink much of it she she Uh likes the smell of it and used to drink it and stuff but she's like i'm so jealous of you know, that you can just drink coffee every morning because it's so, like, romantic, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's something about it. Like, And and even, like, once you've got that cup of coffee and it's still hot uh, and just, you know, 
relishing in that moment and enjoying the aroma, which in, in my opinion is often better than the taste. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like I feel like I'm, I'm constantly like, I'm constantly trying to produce, um, like basically capture that aroma in the way the coffee tastes. Mm-hmm. Like if the coffee tastes like it smells, then I've done a good job. Yeah. <laughs> but those moments are few and far between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So, so she's really not missing out. Right. I she's, mean, she's getting the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say like, I, I wouldn't want to be in her position. Like I, I definitely want to be able to drink my coffee, but uh, the smell is, is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. Well, Benji, we got you. People can check you out at the, uh, the coffee concierge.net, right? Correct. Yeah. Cool. So I'll have a link for that stuff. And then you're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all that, right? Yeah. I'm on most of the channels, but the, really the one that, <sighs> I would probably promote as my YouTube channel because okay. I'm really bad at Instagram and Facebook. Like I'm just not as active as I should be. Okay. Uh, I am on there though. So feel free to follow. I've got an email newsletter too that you can check out. Yeah. Um, working on getting that cleaned up and updated. So sweet. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Well, yeah, I'll have links for all that stuff to your YouTube channel, the website and everything. Yeah. Appreciate you, it. You just got a lot of like to really dive into the different, you know, makers and types of coffee and everything like that. You have a lot of info on there, which is very helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'll, I'm hoping to put out some more. I've, I've been uh, not as active in recent years, but, you know, trying to trying to find more, more time to put into it. So right. no, I get nice. you. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to to have me on here. It's oh, been fun. Hell yeah, of course. Thanks for thanks for coming on and sharing all your uh your info in a non coffee snobby way, you know. Yeah, hopefully hopefully I achieved that. <laughs> oh no, it was great. Cool, cool man. Well enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a good one, all right? You too. Thanks, Travis. Yeah. So there you have it. Now you know how to make good coffee. Thanks to Benji for sharing everything about that with us. If you like this episode, I ask you, I'm not going to beg, but I'm going to ask you to share it with your friends. Share it on uh, social media. Post a little clip. I think you can do that in some of these apps now. Just share a little clip of this to to share it with somebody who you think might be interested in the show because it really helps us and uh you know tag me in any of those posts and i'll thank you for it on the on the social media page and do all that stuff so uh thanks for listening uh we're on instagram curiosityness podcast that's the main place facebook twitter websites curiosityness.com uh, you can send me an email if you got some feedback for me or some suggestions for new uh, hosts or not a new host. I'm the host. New uh, guests that you think we should have on the show. Uh, if you think we need a new host, just keep it to yourself. Uh, my email is Travis at curiosityness.com. And I think that about wraps it up. If you want a free sticker, I'll give you a free sticker for free. You heard me right. I'll send it to you for free too. No shipping. Uh, that's on the website, curiosityness.com. There's a link on there to get a free sticker. There are 3D glasses. They're pretty cool. I got one on my car. You should have one too. Uh, that's it. 
thanks again for being here. I really appreciate you honestly uh, listening this far and um, sharing it with your friends and family, giving us a rating on iTunes or whatever. And uh, that's it. Enjoy your the rest of your day or going to bed or whatever you're going to do. Bye-bye.